You're listening to In The Bunker, a podcast that explores the biggest challenges in starting and running a business. My name is Joshua Maddox, and I'm an entrepreneur and business owner myself. I'm sitting down with business owners to talk about the challenges they face, the lessons they've learned, and how we can all grow from it. Welcome back to In The Bunker. Today's episode is going to be a little different. Um, in the sense of this is a challenge that I myself have struggled with in starting this podcast in the bunker, I was faced with the issue of imposter syndrome myself. I planned on launching in the bunker back in January of 2022 after pre-recording a handful of episodes. However, after I had gone through and edited some, I just didn't feel like everything was fully polished and wasn't as good as it could be. I felt like an imposter and I just, I didn't, I didn't hit go. I didn't launch. And January became February, February became March. And then you can't launch a podcast the first week of April. And so I just kept pushing the deadline. And it wasn't until I started editing this episode I need to put a date on when I'm launching the podcast. And so this is a challenge that I myself struggle with. And I think so many other business owners do as well. I'm super excited to jump into this episode and have Chris unpack what imposter syndrome looks like, how it can hurt business owners, and some things that we can do to sort of combat that as well. I really do want to thank everyone who has listened as business owners. There are so many things that we battle with on a daily basis and knowing that there are other people out there that struggle with the same challenges as us is just super relieving. Um, and knowing that you have someone else who you can rely on both for resources but also just the aspect of them being there sort of as a sounding wall. So I appreciate Chris and everything he talks about in this episode. I appreciate you as a listener, and I really um, am excited to jump in. So thanks for being here this week. Today we have Chris Kelso on the show with us. Chris was faced with a challenge of imposter syndrome. So many small businesses feel this, that fake it till you make it type aspect, and Really, we all go through that in starting a business. Chris felt that his success was more accidental than earned, and he wasn't legit as an entrepreneur. There's so much here to learn and to unpack. I'm excited to jump in and have Chris on the show. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you, Josh. It's good to be here. Awesome. So let's get to know you a little bit better. Let's go ahead and unpack who are you and... How'd you get here? What do you do? My career has been a sort of twisty, turny road driven a lot by my curiosity and passions and interests. I had a short stint in the music industry in my late teens, early 20s, and then I uh, sort of pivoted into technology and spent several years as a software developer working with some large healthcare firms. And for years, I said I never wanted to own a business. I had no interest in being an entrepreneur. I didn't want the risk and the headaches and everything that I saw 
that business owners seemed to have to deal with just was not appealing to me. And then it was as if one day I woke up and nothing else made sense to me except starting my own company. Like somewhere a switch flipped and I just knew that I had to go into business for myself. And come to find out years later, I looked back and realized that I always had entrepreneurship in my blood, if you will. I was always trying different things and launching little side ventures and figuring out ways to make money. And, and even some of my family history, there's some entrepreneurship there. And maybe that's just what I was running from for a period of time. But even my wife knew, she later told me that she always knew I would own a business one day. And even when I was saying that I never wanted to do that, she was going, yeah, yeah, we'll see. So I, I started my first company about 15 years ago. It was an IT consulting firm uh, focused on working with pretty large companies that had dysfunctional and underperforming IT departments. And I started that business on my own. It was just me at the beginning. I had no real business education, but I went and bought a stack of books at a bookstore on everything I thought I needed to know to run a business. And I read them all and and uh, just figured out uh, how to learn what I needed to learn along the way, very much in real time. But eventually I grew that company to millions in revenue and had a team of uh, mostly former CIOs and VP level people that worked together to help our clients really improve their IT work. And over the years I founded, I co-founded a second company, a cloud computing platform, ran that as CEO for a couple of years, raised a little bit of money from some investors for that one, got it to profitability. And then for the last five or so years, I have been working independently as an executive coach and doing leadership development work, primarily with entrepreneurs and their leadership teams. So I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I do some group and team sessions, strategic planning and goal setting and leadership training. And I do a bit of public speaking. And last year or in 2020, I wrote a book and published it in January of 2021. It's always interesting to hear the, the story of, you know, what that journey has looked like. And it's always so different for so many people, but I think it's funny because I think one of the common things for entrepreneurs that say, I'm never going to start my own business. Like, I think that's yeah. the number one telltale sign that you will be starting a business. That you may uh, be starting. Yes. Yeah. Always so good. So obviously through this whole path and the the journey that you've been on there's been some challenges over the years yeah. what business is without them i know one of the challenges and obviously the main one that you wrote a book on was that imposter syndrome yes would love to dive into that a little bit and and talk through some of that you mentioned how you started an it consulting firm by literally grabbing a few books off a shelf and and reading them but then the company had multiple different high-level executives doing millions of dollars a year. So obviously there's a point where you realize, oh, we've made it or, hey, we aren't an imposter anymore. So what did that journey look like? What is that overcoming the imposter sort of syndrome look like? As I said, I started my business with no real business education. In fact, I never even went to college. I don't have a degree and that's a whole, you know, another long story of the the history of how I got to where I was. But at the time I had no real business training, but I knew there were things I didn't know. And I, I bought a stack of books, as I mentioned, I read them all. And, and every time I encountered something that I didn't know, I just figured out a way to learn it. And sometimes in real time, as I was doing it, just as the need arose. But because of that, I always carried this persistent fear, this nagging 
voice in the back of my head that would tell me that at some point you're going to encounter something that you don't know that you should know. And you're going to be exposed as a fraud because you didn't go to business school and you don't actually know what you're doing. You just read a few books and you started a company and you've, you know, landed your first client because of a relationship with a former boss that you used to work to. And he just was throwing you a bone. And, and if it wasn't for that, you never would have got this off the ground. And, and no matter what I achieved, that voice would always come up with some other milestone that I hadn't hit or some other criteria, right? You're, you're not a real business until you have employees. You're not a real business until you have a million dollars in revenue. You're not a real business until you have a physical office space. You're not a real business until you have a full C-suite of leaders. And anything that I would accomplish and figure out, there was always some voice of doubt saying, there's something else that, that you're missing that you don't know. And that feeling of, I don't know what I don't know is this perpetual, never-ending fear if you allow it to, to overtake you. And it wasn't until years later, probably 10 years into my entrepreneurial journey that I learned about imposter syndrome. And it was actually with an executive coach uh, that I was talking to that explained it to me. And I started to do some real research and reading about it. And oh my goodness, it was such a relief when I learned that not only is this a thing that, that psychologists have recognized and that they've put a label on it because it's a phenomenon that's common to a lot of people, but it is also something that is more prevalent among high achievers. It's actually statistically more likely that you have those feelings of self-doubt if you're a driven, intentional, very ambitious and aggressive person. People that just coast through life don't suffer from imposter syndrome because they don't really aspire to much. But the people that are trying to grow and stretch themselves are often finding themselves in a place of being in over their head or out of their comfort zone or feeling like maybe they've outkicked their coverage, so to speak. And that's a sign that you're doing great things. But the fear that comes with it, the worry and the anxiety can be debilitating if you let it control you. And so learning about it was the first big hurdle and it was a big relief, but then I had to figure out how to manage it, how to master it, how to overcome it. And that's what I ended up writing this book about. As you're talking, I'm thinking through and just looking at the aspect of, I think so many companies face that because there's always another thing as a business owner. When, you know, we've been in business 13 years now, my company has, and going back, I don't know, maybe eight or 10 years ago, I'm sitting with a prospect and the guy goes, you don't have an office? Yeah. No, we don't. And he was like, I'd be more comfortable with hiring you guys if you had an office. Yeah. And for me, it was like, oh, we're not a legitimate company. But at the same point, if I was to get an office, then I would have to increase my costs by 20, 30, 40, 50%. And so I'm like, okay, is that client then willing to pay one and a half to two times what I'm estimating their costs are going to be? And that client's not. So then they either need to be okay with us not having an office because that's not the type of business we are, or we need to be okay with not having them as a client. I think sometimes that's where the fear gets exponential because not only is it the fear of, oh, we're not a real business because we don't have an office, 
but if we don't have an office, then we lose this project. If we lose this project, then we aren't making money. If we're not making money, we're not in business. So if I don't have an office, then there's this spiral effect that I yeah. think we can go into. The whole thing unravels in your mind. Even before the first domino has fallen, you see it all coming apart. Yeah. And owning a digital agency, we've had clients over the years come to us and, hey, we need to look like this other company, or we need to look like we're five times bigger, and we need to fake it till we make it or whatever. And in reality, online, yes, you can do that to a point. But at the same point, if you're looking like another company, and you're trying to be that other thing, then why are you in business? Because if you're trying to be exactly like someone else, then your prospect is just going to hire that other person you're trying to impersonate because they're the actual one and you're the <laughs> imposter. So I think there's, for me personally, like that was an element that I had to realize with my business of, no, we're not going to be the imposter of this other business because we're just being a crappier version, really. And that's not going to be great for anyone. You know, we need to be our own and be okay with that. So what does that look like? Obviously, there's a whole process to really overcoming this from a business perspective. But what, is, what does that look like? Maybe going back to the IT consulting firm or something in that realm, what did that look like of working through that or overcoming that? Dealing with imposter syndrome and overcoming imposter syndrome, the, as I mentioned, the, the awareness of it is the first big step. And it really does get you halfway because suddenly that persistent fear you recognize is a mind game. And now you can start to play the game. You can start to figure out the moves to counteract it. And so when I talk to people about imposter syndrome, just learning about it often is a huge relief, but that's not enough. Just being aware, now you have to start to understand the tactics and to make the right moves. And so there are two main fears that come along with imposter syndrome, or really there are the underpinnings of imposter syndrome. And the first is the fear of failure. And more specifically, the fear of failure in public and the fear of failure in public that's going to destroy you, that's going to be your undoing, right? So when you struggle with imposter syndrome, when you feel like maybe I'm not legitimate or I'm not what everyone thinks that I am, you worry that any mistake you make or any admission of a fault is going to erode your credibility, is going to you know, be your undoing. And so the temptation then is to try to cover up for any mistakes that you make, to try to play it safe and not take risks, which of course, business is full of risk taking. There's risk reward and you have to be able to take risks and you have to be able to make bets when you're not certain of what the outcome's going to be. But that fear of failure will prevent you from doing that. And you stay in, in what I call the tour guide zone, where you just make the same loop over and over again. You stick to where you're comfortable. You, you only go where there's a clearly laid out path and a script and a plan. And you're not willing to cross those boundaries and get outside of your element. But if you can change your mindset about failure and you can begin to see failure as learning then suddenly failure is not something to be avoided. Failure is something to lean into, to embrace. Not that we want to fail, not that the goal is to fail, but recognizing that failure is part of the process of success because it's the primary way that we learn. One example, and I've got dozens of examples uh, in the book. One example is uh, a guy named Babe Ruth. You probably heard of Babe Ruth. He was the 
one of the greatest baseball players of all time. And he was known as the Sultan of SWAT because his, he held the record for home runs and slugging percentage and RBIs and a bunch of other records. Some of many of them still stand today years after he's gone, but he also had a nickname that was the King of strikeouts and his record, his career total of 1330 strikeouts was a major league baseball record for 30 years until it was beaten by a guy named Mickey Mantle. So Mickey Mantle took the strikeout record away from Babe Ruth. And these are guys that we think of as great athletes, incredible players, Hall of Famers. But they knew, they understand that striking out, that failing at the plate was not something to be avoided. It was part of the process. You have to take big swings to hit the ball out of the park, and you're going to take some risk, and you're going to miss some. But I, I guarantee you, every time they struck out, they were learning something. They were learning about the pitcher. They were learning about his tendencies. They were learning uh, about how that ball was going to come across the plate, and they were applying that to the next at bat. Just understanding that failure is not fatal, that there's no failure that's going to be the end of your career, the end of your uh, life, the end of your work, that failure is a learning process. That change in mindset, when I approach a new situation now, I look at it and say, one of two outcomes is going to happen. I'm either going to succeed or I'm going to learn. Those are the two options. And as long as I do one of those things, I'm going to get something great out of this experience. So I don't have to be afraid of that uncertainty. So that's the first big mindset shift that you've got to adopt to, to start to overcome imposter syndrome. The second one is a similar mindset shift about vulnerability. See, imposter syndrome is the fear of being vulnerable. It's the fear of opening up. It's the fear of letting people see who and what you really are. You mentioned the phrase, fake it till you make it. And I really dislike that phrase and that idea because there's inherent dishonesty there, but it, it also can, it actually will feed your imposter syndrome. When you're portraying something of yourself that you know is not real, you will feel like an imposter because in some ways you are, if you're faking it till you make it. But instead, you can have something that I refer to as humble confidence, where you recognize and are honest with your limitations and the boundaries of your knowledge and experience, but you also have the confidence to believe that you can figure it out, that learning is an important part of the process and that you're going to learn your way to success you don't have to have every experience already behind you. One of the things that I realized as I was writing this book, I was doing a, a deep dive on my career, looking backwards at the successes and failures and the lessons I'd learned. And I suddenly realized that the times when I was the, the most insecure, when I was feeling the most in over my head, those were often the most pivotal moments of my career. Those are the times when really great things were happening. And if I chose to pull back and to shirk away from those uh, situations, I'd, I'd miss out on great opportunities. But when I leaned into those, that's when really big moves happened. And so you've got to go into those experiences with a humility to not think that you can just fake it till you make it or that you can do anything at any time, but also with the confidence to believe that everything I've ever accomplished in life, every first time accomplishment I've ever had has been preceded by the same thing, which is a lack of experience. Every time you do something great, 
you hadn't done it before that. And you didn't have the experience until you leaned in and did it. And so that humble confidence and, and changing the definition of failure and then being willing to be open about where I have strengths and weaknesses, where I have experiences and I have some lack of experience. The combination of those things will allow you to go into these new situations or to take on new clients with a humble confidence that, sure, I may not have done this specific thing that you're asking me to do before, but look at all the other things I've done for the first time before. And I've been able to be successful at that. And I'm confident that I can take this on or I can hire the right people with the expertise that's needed to do this job. By the way, that was one of the secrets to my success in my consulting firm is for the first probably six or seven years of that company, I was the youngest and least educated and least experienced person in that company. I always hired upgrades for myself. And that gave me the ability to go into a situation and say, I may not be the expert on this, but I do have an expert on my team. And if I don't, I'll get one. And so I'm not faking it till I make it. I'm saying very openly and honestly, this is what we are capable of. And I believe in the quality and the capabilities of the team that I've assembled around me. And that helps me to have that humble confidence. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Hiring to your weaknesses is always something that yes. you know, benefits, benefits companies dramatically. And when I see a business owner that's trying to run every department in their company or they're trying to do be the point person for everything it just yeah it, it, it's not the best scenario i know when it comes to the aspect of fail in the startup space there's this aspect of failing often failing fast yes and it's it goes back into exactly what you just talked about with the baseball analogy aspect for a venture capitalist if they look at one startup and say oh this looks like a great idea i'll just dump 100 million dollars into it and that's all they dump money into they're in trouble if they find 10 different startups to dump money into one of them will be the next uber or whatever that service is yeah now three or four of them are gonna just crash and burn immediately but for that venture capitalist they need to get out quick they need to make sure they test it. And if it doesn't work, shut it down or yeah. pivot. And so I think that's something for me is cool. It did work. It didn't work. Let's learn from it. And that's, it's been the aspect of what can you take away from that failure? And that's where when failure is looked at as a learning experience, I think mm -hmm. that's another critical element. Like you can take so much away. I've accidentally underquoted projects before, or yeah. Yeah. we underquote a project because we didn't fully understand it, or we assumed that the client was going to do X, Y, and Z, and the client assumed we were, and you get backwards in a project like that. You obviously it's a contractual obligation. You follow through with that, but then at the, yeah. at the back end, it's what did we learn? We learned yes. that we need to better describe our process or better describe the expectations that we have as a business on what the client is or isn't providing. And all of those elements will really help not only the failing aspect, but also you continue to learn. The more you learn, 
the less you feel like you're an imposter. Yeah, those mistakes are part of the cost of education. And I've made some six-figure mistakes in my career, but I call those six-figure educations. And I've got a lot of them that have added up to success over a long period of time. But they're painful when they happen, but you've got to recognize that it's part of the entrepreneurial experience is learning some of those lessons. And often the more painful ones, the more costly ones are the ones that really stick with you and benefit you in the long run, because uh, you don't forget those lessons as easily when they cost you something. Yeah. So true. Awesome. I really love the takeaways. The the changing the definition of failure, I think is a huge one, just like really having that shift. And then the vulnerability aspect, you have to be open to overcome the imposter syndrome and the humble confidence, being aware of your limitations, but know that you can grow and learn. And I think that's so critical. Like for my team, I say this probably once a quarter, at least like the day that we stop learning, I own a digital agency. We're in the web space. That web changes daily. The day we stop learning is the day we should close the business because it's changed while we've been having this conversation. Exactly. And the web has changed and how people connect online has changed so much due to events like the pandemic or the dot-com boom, or there's so many different elements that has changed how global communications and all that type of stuff works. And that that goes for every line of business. You look at disruptors in, in industries, all that type of stuff, and being open to learning and growing and adapting and, and doing that is always something that's really good, whether it's imposter syndrome or not. Like just learning and growing is always a, a positive. There's been a ton that we walked through today and unpacked, and I feel like, you know, there's probably a dozen more stories that you could share on this. Yes. Um, and there's so much more information, but I do want to walk through real quick, like where is a good spot for people to find you online? What is the best sort of number one? I'll have all the links to your website, Instagram and yeah. LinkedIn, yeah. all that stuff in the show notes. But what is that number one spot? Yeah, the number one spot is probably my website, which is just simply chriskelso.com. And I'm easy to find online if you remember that Chris starts with a K, K-R-I-S-K-E-L-S-O. So yeah, chriskelso.com, there's information there on my coaching work and some of the keynotes that I deliver. And also the book is called Overcoming the Imposter. And the website for the book is overcomingtheimposter.com and it's available anywhere that books are sold. So you can find out more about the book there and more about my specific work at my website. And I'm also active on LinkedIn and many of the other social sites that you mentioned. And as you said, those will be in the show notes. Awesome. And then I know you had messaged me uh, a link for overcomingtheimposter.com that actually has a free chapter of the book. And we were going to put that in the show notes as well. So for those who are listening, there's a chapter of that in the show notes that you'll be able to download and be able to read through that and get a little sample a little more in-depth sample um, on that as well. And I'll say, I think the chapter that we chose to give away uh, as a free sample is one of the best chapters. So you're not getting just a teaser that's the first chapter in the book that all it does is set up the problem and tell you that you need help. But it's a really meaty chapter that will have some great, powerful takeaways. So I encourage people to go, even if you can't pick up the entire book, go get that chapter and read through it. You'll get a lot out of it. 
Cool. It's been awesome having you on the show today. I appreciate you coming on. appreciate the time and your experience in business and really opening up on that and just diving into that with us. It's been really good to hear this and walk through it. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. I really enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate the, the opportunity. Awesome. Take care. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of In the Bunker. As always, we can be found on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at In the Bunker Podcast. Be sure to share this episode and what you're going to apply from it and how that can affect your business. Make sure to tag us in that post so we can highlight your journey as well. But before you go, I have a quick personal ask. Each episode of In the Bunker takes a lot of work to put together from finding the guest, shooting, editing, all of that. And where I really could use your help is twofold. First, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or another podcast platform that can let you leave a five-star review or a text-based review, I would truly and greatly appreciate that. It really helps with the algorithm and allowing other listeners to find the show. The next thing that I really need help on is sharing this with friends, family, business owners, people that you think need to hear this content. I appreciate you listening to this episode and looking forward to next week. Take care.